Welcome to the Bruins Vendors Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7, Dumb and Dumber, with Maddie and Smitty, not necessarily us, uh, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and PHF news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rank. And download the Inside the Rank app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has some new info about a new partnership with ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So the nice. uh, Bruins will going to be on ESPN+, Plus this year from time to time. Uh, and you can watch them by signing up for ESPN+, Plus on the Inside the Rink website. That is InsideTheRink.com. Not only do you get the most out-of-market hockey games, but you get many other sports as well, including college basketball, which recently started up. So sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. Again, ESPN Plus by signing up at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. And I have it. Absolutely. I have it, ESPN Plus, and I love it. All the out-of-market games, you can watch the late-night games, you can catch Connor McDavid and the Avalanche and and, uh, the Bruins opponent coming up tomorrow night, the Calgary Flames, who are struggling a little bit uh, after they started off hot. So, yeah, lots of uh, great content on ESPN+. Plus. So you guys should sign up at Inside the Rink and check it out. Yeah, that's that'd be great, and and of course, like you said, college basketball coming up, tons of basketball action all season long. So, uh, absolute great resource, and you can get it on InsideTheRink.com, which is fantastic. And you can also get us on InsideTheRink.com. And this past week, boy, it's been a it's been a week for the Bruins, and it starts. Let's start with the games first. Mm-hmm. And on November the third, five to two win over New York Rangers in New York. Bruins depth shows through again, dominated the third period in this one, outshot New York seventeen to four. And it was I thought it was interesting. AJ Greer sticks up for Trent Frederick in a rare tag team fight out on the ice. <laughs> and then uh, my, um, Nick Felino, the best forward, said uh, Jim Montgomery on the night, and it was another good team win for Boston. It was. It was a very good win against a, a good Rangers team. Uh, with Shostarkin and Ned, who they've struggled with a little bit uh, in recent times. And uh, it was a really good win against a good team. And, and it was nice to see, um, you know, Greer sticking up for Frederick and then Frederick uh, answering the bell as well. So, uh, you know, building a little team chemistry, a little camaraderie, little playing for the boys, whatever it takes there. So, uh, yeah, real nice win against a good team. I was interested to see going into that game how they do against a good team on the road, and uh, yeah. that was a good test, and they they, they passed with flying colors there. Uh, now, on November 5th, two days later, a tough 2-1 to loss to Toronto. Um, you know, might have been a distraction because of the Mitchell Miller signing. The Bruins didn't seem to have much energy, the same energy they've had uh, for much of the season. Uh, maybe that should be a credit to the Leafs instead of the distraction because um, – you know, we'll we'll never know exactly what the distraction did on the ice for the Bruins. A couple of defensive breakdowns, they end up in the net. That's the one thing, I think, with the Bruins this year is that when there have been some defensive breakdowns, that's where they get, um, you know, that's where they get in trouble. Uh, Lena Salmark was excellent again, gave the Bruins a chance to tie in the third. Brad Marchand scoring a penalty shot. Um but the Bruins' power play let them down again, as they have in the past, uh, especially last season. They couldn't really generate anything. Uh, 
and look, they weren't going 81 and one. So <laughs> no, they have weren't. To, have to <laughs> no, lose some games. And in Toronto was a, you know, a tough test. And uh, Toronto is a team that's been up and down this season. So they could, they really needed to win. And I think they get up for Boston. So that was just one of those games. Yeah. I don't think really it was that it was a terrible loss. I mean, the Leafs were hungry. Um, they have been up and down. They've been, you know, a lot of talk up there about the, the Matthews minor line, not really performing up to snuff and, and those guys have taken a lot of heat. So, uh, they were ready to play and they really kind of bottled up the Bruins. The Bruins didn't really have anything going, uh, at five on five. And then they did have some power plays late, which let them down, uh, with a chance to tie the game. But all in all, you know, the Bruins didn't play that best. The Leafs played a really good game and the Bruins still had a chance to tie it late. So, I don't think it's really a terrible loss as, you know, they were still right in it till the end, even though they, they didn't really play their best game. No, they didn't. And uh, like I said, Toronto and Toronto had some issues early on with Mitch Marner talking about the, the coaching. And it was a, you know, it's been a, a tough little you know stretch here. I, I thought Toronto actually had a chance this year to finally break through and win the division because I think, you know, Florida will take a step back. I think Tampa Bay will, you know, Boston needs some things to go right. I thought this is a really good year for Toronto to actually take the step and they just haven't come out. It's been a disappointment again for Toronto so far. So we'll see how that goes, but that was, a, you know, it's just you know, one of those road losses early to a good team for Boston and not anything to be alarmed about. Uh, November 7th on Monday night, a three to one win over St. Louis back at home. This is a St. Louis team that lost six in a row coming in, started out three and oh, then they were ended up three and six all of a sudden. And the Bruins get the win, second best home start in franchise history at seven and oh. Um, opponents have only led for a minute and 17 seconds. That's a crazy stat. That's a it's crazy stat. It really is. <laughs> it really is for a minute and 17 seconds in seven games. Uh, the Bruins play well in the first and third blues come out in the second period. And again, they're hungry and desperate. And the Bruins have had issues in the second period in the past. It's a typical second period for them. I thought didn't really play very well, but Boston gets two power play goals and a big insurance goal by Frederick, kind of a seeing eye shot, threw it at the net, went in. And Lena Salmark was, uh, you know, continued to shine, was excellent again. And one of the top goaltenders in the league it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good win for the Bruins because again, St. Louis is desperate. St. Louis has had some success against Boston in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a good win for them. It was a good win, uh, especially, you know, first game back from a road trip usually um, causes them, causes teams a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue there. So um you know, it was a it was a nice win against a, a team that, like you said, was hungry and and has been having some struggles. So they were they were ready to go, and the Bruins kind of took it to them in the first and third. Um, the Blues responded in the second, like you know most teams do when you um, play better or dominate them in, in in a period. The next period, they usually come out uh, better. And um, the Bruins have had some struggles in the second period this year, so. You know, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Hopefully they can clean that up a little bit. But overall, you know, a good win and, and uh, a good week, um, you know, minus minus the uh, the off the ice stuff. Right. And you know what? It's nice to see that Craig Berube isn't the genius that we've been led to believe. I mean, now they've lost eight in a row because mm -hmm. they just lost to Philadelphia. So three and eight in one of the worst teams in the league right now. I think Tory Krug was at the time was like a minus 11. Kairos had an awful start to the year. He's like minus 16 or something. Like they gave him that big money and he's been 
bad. And that's just not a great, I mean, that, I, th- I didn't think that team was super talented anyway. I mean, talented enough, mm-hmm. but it's really catching up to them now, I think. And it's really going to be interesting to see what that team does going forward. You could see some fire ceiling happen if they don't get it right. And by, you know, the trade deadline, you could see some pretty good players. They've, they wanted to get rid of Krug for a while. You know, maybe they get rid of an O'Reilly. You know, who knows? I mean, there's, there might be some people to be had at the deadline from the blues. So it's we'll also, uh, it's nice to see uh, Jordan Benning coming back to earth here a little oh, bit. Isn't it though? Cause he's, he seems like such a punk, like just the, yeah. his, his on the ice behavior. Uh, you know, he, throws a shoulder into a goalie after they beat him, um, you know, in between periods or something, you know, he's just, he's a kind of a dink and he acts like he a is. dink. So it's kind of nice to see uh, him getting a little bit of a comeuppance here because he's, yeah. he got hot and they caught a little lightning in a bottle there, but uh, overall, you know, back to earth for him. Yeah, we tweet, we tweeted out uh, who's, who's more of a dink or douche. Uh, is it Bennington <laughs> or is it Jerry? And, and, unanimously <laughs> it was Bennington like it, unanimously I mean he's just he sh- he gave like a shoulder to, to yeah. Goldie going by the other night yeah like just kind of like come on dude like seriously and I think he caught lightning in a bottle in that Stanley Cup he year. did I still think that they had chances to beat that dude and, and it was frustrating that they couldn't yeah and now it's all coming back now he's just not that good I and mean, he's just not that good and he's a dink to you know, to top it off. So I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that team. I'm not a fan of what they stand for or anything, to no, be honest. No. And I'm glad they're stuck with Krug and I'm glad they're floundering. Um, all right. Time for seven chirps. And that's sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code sports to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and also follow them at Lops Brewing on social media for new beers and events. And chirp number one, it was the news topic of the weekend this past weekend. The Boston Bruins signed Mitchell Miller, then part ways in unmitigated disaster, wouldn't you say? It, I mean, it certainly was. And I I can't I can't even really begin to say how disappointed I am in in the team and the signing. Like I was embarrassed to be a Bruins fan for, you know, forty eight to seventy two hours there where where um you know, because they didn't need it. They didn't need it. The team was playing unbelievably well at the time. All the good PR that they had built up over the team's fast start while playing well with missing guys like Marchand and McAvoy and Grizzlick, they just basically set fire to it. It's like, oh, okay, all that goodwill that we built up around the team, forget about that. Let's talk about this asshole that we signed that, <laughs> that, that, that you know, is bullying a development development. I, I, <laughs> a disabled, uh, yes. disabled uh, person of color. Like that's just, it's just mind boggling to me how someone can make that decision and be like, yes, this is a good thing to do. I, I just, I don't understand it at all. And I won't yeah, I, ever. All I can think of is that they thought this was six years ago. What, what have you, this was six years ago. There'll be a little bit of PR, you know, they, they'll, there'll be people, you know, revisiting what had happened and so forth, but they didn't think it would be the firestorm that it was. And again, they misjudged like 
social media, all, all oh, yeah. the things now that can really blow a, a story up to high heavens. And they, they just completely misjudged this thing. And I still can't wrap my head around who did it, yeah. why they did it, or, or anything like that, and why they didn't take a couple extra steps involved in it to do it. It just seems like you can't be that stupid. Yeah, that's the, what I don't understand. The vetting process was terrible. They didn't speak with with uh, the young man's family. Um, they did. They didn't follow through with uh, the vetting pro- process properly. They because they didn't know about the or supposedly didn't know that the behavior lasted for multiple years rather than one isolated incident, which is they were calling it at the beginning an incident that happened when he was fourteen. Um, they didn't reach out to the family. They, they just, there was so many things that they didn't do. And then Cam Neely comes out and is like, I don't know why we didn't do that. Well, you're the president of the freaking organization. <laughs> I, I would think you that know? you should know that. So you to me, know? to me, it's, it really is. I mean, people have gone back and forth about this. To me, it's a fireable offense. It's a fireable offense to me because I don't think, any team should assign the guy, first of all. I mean, I believe in second chances too, but if you dig deeper into the minutia of all the facts and everything that's come out, he doesn't sound remorseful. He didn't really apologize until he was told to so he could get a hockey contract. So there's so many things there that I just don't agree with, and I feel like they totally bungled it. They, the, mm-hmm. the players didn't want it. The fans didn't want it. And if they had asked the players, and they did, and the players are like, I don't know, why are we doing this? Maybe that's a red flag. The fact that you didn't reach out to the family, red flag. Like, there was a lot of red flags. And to still go through with it, I feel like somebody should be fired. And, I, and like you said, I'm not sure who it was. I'm not sure. Neely kind of deflects, and Sweeney definitely deflects. So if they're both deflecting, who actually did it? Who gave the yes? That's what I want to know. And I don't know if we I ever really will. I really don't believe. I don't believe it was Don Sweeney. And people are saying, you know, maybe Sweeney should be fired. And, and he wasn't at the press conference, so they, they must be mad at him. No, I think Sweeney was like, this is on you, dude. Like, I, I've already taken the bullet for the Cassidy firing, yeah. with the, which I didn't want. And you made me stand up there and talk about the Cassidy fire, which I didn't believe in, and try to come up with some ways or some reasons for the firing. Now you're doing this to me again. I think Sweeney took himself right out of it. And I really believe that Sweeney went to the players to try to get them to say, to to hear what they had to say. And if they said they didn't want it, I almost guarantee you that Sweeney went to Neely and was like, the players really don't want this. Like, I think he was looking for ways to not do it. Yeah. And in the in the press conference, he even said he did. This is this is risky, and this may not work, and I might be driving him back to the airport. Yeah, like he even said that. He who did. Says that. I know. Like, who says that? Right. Like so, he doesn't believe in the signing anyway. So I really thought, for whatever reason, and I really don't believe that Cam Neely, judging from this, among other things, when you peel back the layers, I don't think he's really in on a lot of the day-to-day hockey stuff. I, I really don't think so. I think he inserts himself at different times, whether it's we need to go out and get Nick Ritchie because we need to get heavier or we need to go sign this guy or we need to get Zach Ronaldo or we need to, you know, he, I think he inserts himself at times and I think he inserted himself here again this time and said, let's go get this guy. 
But what I don't understand is why they didn't put all their ducks in a row when they knew it was going to be a difficult signing and not reach out to the family and just take the agent for his word yeah, and I saying mean. that he's rehabilitated. When Mitchell Miller actually was borderline harassing the kid to get him to accept an apology. Mm-hmm. He texted him like, or messaged him on social media every day, Yeah, every day in October, because he knew teams were kind of interested. This was his way to get into the league. And he was almost forcing the hand of Isaiah to say, please accept my apology so I can go to these teams and say, I've apologized. He accepted it. And to Isaiah's credit, he didn't accept it. No. He shouldn't but the have. agent played it off like he did. And you know what? It's you know, just unreal. You know what? Another thing to me that is a fireable offense is you do all this, right? And you say that we've parted ways, but they haven't because they can't get up. They, they can't without the NHLPA uh, filing a grievance over the contract. They can't get out of the contract. So they have to fight, figure out a way to get out of it. And if they can't, they're going to have to buy them out. And that's mm-hmm. going to cost you money on the salary cap next year and the year after. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, alone is a fireable offense. You signed a guy that you got rid of 48 hours later, and now it's going to cost you against the cap, so you're not going to be able to sign. If they can't sign Pasternak because they, because right. they signed this clown and, are, right. and have to buy him out and then are losing cap space, if, if it comes down to that and you lose out on Pasternak for $750,000 a year, I mean, they're not, they're they, not going to be able to get. Out they should of be it. sent to the goddamn moon. Like, they're, I, they're absolutely not going to be able to get out of it because they can. They can. The agent can come with enough information to say we gave him all this information. Yeah, we didn't give him everything, but we gave him this information, and they were okay with it. So they signed on the dotted line. You can't have revisionist history and then go back later on and say, well, you know, we really don't want to do it because our fans are upset, or because the media is upset, or because it's, our advertisers. Are upset, which I really think is the reason why they rescinded it. It's not the fans and the players because they didn't listen to the players in the first place. No, so it has, it's not the players that made them change their mind, and it's certainly not the fans because they don't give a rat's ass. What they do care about is advertising, and if they if it continued to fester and there were continued to be more and more information, then advertisers are going to all those advertisements going along the boards. At some point, some of those advertisers are going to say, "What the hell is going on here?" Well, also, they start to back out. The 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 uh, the CEO of the Rapid Seven there that they have the jersey um, advertisement with is a person of color who has a developmentally disabled kid. They, perfect. So. I mean, I'm sure he's putting pressure on them. Like, I'm what sure. the fuck are you guys doing? And they they were getting they were getting fans. They were getting fans yeah, season, contacting season them. ticket holders were yeah. sending letters to the team, and enough season ticket holders sent letters, and that they had an auto response generated that said we're ha- experiencing you know higher traffic than usual. Yeah, yeah, because sure. everybody's telling you you're a bunch of dumbasses and you shouldn't right. have signed the kid in the first place. I mean, but so I think that is... I I think the season ticket holder thing, I think that can affect them. It might not be regular fans like right. you and me tweeting, but if you're talking right. about multiple season ticket holders that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars right. at your arena every year, that that's, that's gonna make that's yeah, gonna make yeah. a difference. Like that, that's the sponsors, yeah, you know right. that that stuff talks to to ownership and and hopefully the front office, but yeah, what an, what an absolute embarrassment, um, by the team. And, and, uh, it's, it's good to see that they 
came to their senses and got rid of the guy. It was nice to see that Neely reached out to the family finally. Um, uh, the mother said that they had a nice conversation for about 45 minutes where he apologized and so forth, and it seems like that's kind of smoothed over a little bit. So it was good to see that stuff. I wish they had done it beforehand. I wish oh, they sure. had done it beforehand. But sure. um, at, at least uh, they came to their senses in the end. All right, chirp number two, Cam Neely holds the presser alone. Where was Sweeney what really happened? So as I just mentioned, I really believe that Sweeney is kind of washes his hands of the thing because I really didn't think he was behind it. I don't think he believed in it. Um, one thing I didn't love about the presser from Neely was, you know, saying that the kid made a mistake, which is not a mistake. It's 10 years of, of bullying. It's not no, a it's a pattern it's not, of behavior. It's not a mistake. It's a, pa- it's a pattern, right? That, that, that I didn't love. And then also, you know, some of the some of the wording he used for you know new information. What type of new information? Yeah, there was Cam? no new information. There was no new information. It's just that you realize you didn't have all the information. <laughs> so that's that's you didn't do enough research. Mm-hmm. And why wasn't it done? And who? So are we going to blame like Brett Harkins with the you know US USHL scout? Are we right. going to blame some random scout and fire that guy over this? Because I think that's pretty disingenuous too. I think that's pretty low because like you just said, he's the president of the hockey operations like how do you not know what's going on here this is a pretty big deal like this is a pretty big decision to make you have to you have to at least say okay what's the information you got me tell me what it is so unless somebody lied to him yeah i mean and the other thing i'm not sure what happened the other thing is why why is he not asking questions like did you reach out to the family what was their side of it you know There, there there should have been a much more thorough and it said they've been working on it for like a year. So that's another thing that says these guys might be incompetent. Like how within a year, do you not say maybe we should talk to the family and see what their side of it is? Like it, it, that just blows my mind that that wouldn't come up. Supposedly smart people, smart guys. Don Sweeney went to Harvard. You you mean to tell me that, that a Harvard guy wouldn't say, Oh, maybe we should talk to the other side and see what they have to say about it. They they didn't care. They they didn't right. care. They just wanted the player, and and thought they could sneak it under the radar, and 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 it wouldn't be that bad. And then it would blow over, and they would have a player who was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I think that's what they thought. They thought you know we we're eleven and ten and one or whatever at the time. You know this kid's going to Providence. We're going to get a little bit of you know there'll be a little bit of stuff coming out, but. It was six years ago, and we don't we don't think it'll be that big of a deal. And they were wrong. I mean, they completely misjudged this thing. And like you said, it is it is along the lines of a fireable defense. And and what I the other thing about it is, and this this is much lesser of a concern, obviously. But the scouting, are you giving that much power to scouts? Like, are you can like is this why we're missing on draft picks? Like, like what, what are these scouts doing and telling you and giving you? And I mean, is this why the drafting sucks? Like, what, what are we doing? And the other thing that I'm worried about, you know, this is why they didn't draft. This is not a team that does this, you know, in the past. Like they gave, they, they passed on Matt Barzal because there were quote unquote, maybe some character issues there. Like, does this so now what I, how I see it is they can't pick a risky player for the next, at least the next couple of drafts. They can't do it. They can't pick a guy who might have a little bit of off the ice, this or that. They are not going to be able to do that because of this happening. This Absolutely. is going to affect how they draft. Absolutely. It will. 
100% it will. And, and and just finally on this topic with the Neely thing, I don't know why at, at the uh, at the press conference he didn't just say, look, we, we messed this up. Right. Like, don't, don't give me the cop out with the new information stuff. He, yeah. he should have just said, look, we missed it. We messed it up. We made a bad decision. We didn't get an, enough information or we didn't have all the information that we should have had. That's on us. It's our fault. We messed it up. I apologize to Bruins fans. I apologize to the family. Like he should have gone that route. Like just own it. Like you fucked it up royally. Own that. Yeah. It's own on it. us. It's on me. I'm the president. The buck stops here. I should yeah. have known better. We should have known better as an organization. The players don't deserve this. The fans don't deserve it. We should have known better and then leave it at that. But no, mm-hmm. they come out with this new information shit and they're like, oh, they're still trying to fucking slide by. They're still trying yeah. to be like, oh, it really wasn't our fault. We didn't have mm-hmm. all the information. No, it was your fault. It was completely <laughs> your fault. Yeah. Own it. Own 100%. it. 100%. You, you misjudge it. And I, and I agree with you. And, and I don't love Neely came off as, you know, the dad whose son didn't tell him everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he came yeah. off as the dad in the principal's office. Like, Oh really? Oh really? Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't love that. Like no. I, like you said, you got to, and, and the other thing is if you keep dancing around it, people will dig further. Yeah. It's going to last you know longer. Saying? It's going to last Absolutely. Longer. If and you just sure own it. Shit, it did. Yeah. Because Isaiah had to come up with that statement. He did. Of what happened. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if the agent, if you didn't say new information and the agent didn't contradict you and say, no, there was not new information, then Isaiah doesn't come out with this thing saying, this is what happened. Yeah. We've so never been friends. Going. We're not friends now. Yeah. Yeah. We're not friends. He's, he, he, want, he <laughs> wanted to strong arm me. He basically said to the kid. I, why don't you fight your own battles? Yeah. Like why, why do your parents have to speak for you? That's not someone who's apologizing. He's no. putting it on him. Yeah. He's still disrespecting him. Yeah. Like this is unreal. And the amount of people who, the amount of people commented on an article I did in social media, defending Mitchell Miller would, would make your brain explode it makes it, it really makes me sick i mean i un, i it's understand incredible. i understand the second chances part of it i do i really do and i think people that are remorseful and have been rehabilitated deserve second chances sure this fucking kid is not one of those people <laughs> he he just isn't i mean no. you can look at all the information that's out there and you can come to that conclusion pretty easily pretty easily yeah. Yeah, this was a, this kid's 14, boys will be boys, this whole, this, all this bullshit. Not to mention the racial element of it all, calling them the N-word and all that stuff. Like, that's an entire, that's a, that's a, that's another thing altogether. Beating him, spitting on him. Yeah. Like, just being completely disrespectful to this kid is, is incredible. And to me, it's at a different level. Like, I was 14 once, you were 14 once. We did stupid shit. Like, this isn't stealing a pack of gum at the CVS. No. This isn't, this isn't going and, and egging a house on Halloween with your buddies because they, they, they egged you on or whatever. This is, this is calculated year after year. Yeah. Every time you saw them, like, just in its, more and more ruthless as it went on. This is not just a couple of boys being idiots and you know and and playing fucking ding dong ditch, you know, in the neighborhood. This is this is so many more levels beyond that. Yeah. So, so it, knock it off with the 14 year old and and he was just a kid stuff. That's sociopathic fucking behavior. It is and it, it is. and it was not an isolated incident 
obviously, like they said oh. it was, which is which is another thing at the beginning of it all. Like there's there's just so much more to it that they didn't see or they didn't want to see. Uh, right. So yeah, I I, I, I mean it's just I, I don't I don't know I'm at a loss. I, I can't believe it really. Yeah. Uh, Strap number three. So th- is this situation a fireable offense for Neely Sweeney? Anyone? So you think it's Neely? Yeah, I mean, if it's Neely's, whoever's idea it was should be fired. Right. To me, yeah. they should be fired. And and if you want to talk about the incompetence that goes along with it, about not vetting and stuff like that, like, I mean, I guess you could chalk that up as a mistake. But to me, you know, like you said, that goes to the to drafting and, and how you vet guys that you would draft at, at certain right. times. So if, if you're not getting all the information you, you should be getting on a player from scouts, then I think maybe some of those guys should go too. Like mm-hmm. if, it, if there's a failure in the, scout, in the scouting staff, and to me there was a failure at the top, and if, and if Sweeney didn't have any part of it, which it sounds like he was kind of deflecting that, um, then yeah, I mean, I think Neely should go. I don't think he will. I think he should. And I think, you know, if there was some scouting issues, I think maybe they should go as well. Yeah. I mean, is this why they're, they're drafting, you know, Zach Sinition? Is this why they're drafting Trent Frederick? I mean, is this why we're missing out on other guys in the draft because we're not thorough? Yeah. Is I mean, this, are we just taking people's words for it? Is it like the scout yeah. watch this guy like three times and be like, oh, Sinition can score 40. He's fast as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you have any more than that? Yeah, I don't know. Can he, pl- I mean, can he play hockey? Does he have a hockey IQ? I mean, yeah. there's, there's other information maybe that we need. Uh, so it, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, who gets the blame. I don't think we'll ever really unearth all that. But right. uh, it yeah, would be interesting to not. see, you know, in inside the Bruins, who was kind of responsible for, for the vetting process and the, ultimately who made the final decision. Mm-hmm. All right, Chirp 4, another little layer from this. Does this fiasco have any bearing on David Pasternak signing a new deal? Well, I'll tell you, like I said before, if, if they if they can't get rid of this kid's contract and, and right. they have to buy him out and it and it eats into salary cap for the next couple of years and the cap doesn't go up as much as they thought or whatever the case may be, if that affects, and I don't even care if it's Pasternak, call it... Anybody. Call uh, it... Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. Call it Jacob Zaboral. I don't give a right. fuck. Like a sixth right. defenseman. If you can't right. sign your N- a sixth NHL defenseman on your team because of this kid, you fucked it up. It's right. a fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and this is something, you know, I I don't think, I, the bottom line is Pasternak gets the money, he'll stay. I yeah. mean, that's, that's really what the bottom line is. Sure. But I don't think this is something that's that's great for you know, the Bruins as a whole, luckily they have an excellent leadership group. Like luckily they have Patrice Bergeron. Mm -hmm. If he hadn't signed this year, what the hell happens then? Like this, this could be a complete cluster. Like I I have no idea. Luckily they have a steady influence like him. Mm -hmm. And he looks, I mean, he said all along, you know, we shouldn't do this. And we have, we have real hesitations about this. And what about our culture and all that? And he was right. Not welcomed into the, not welcomed into the dressing room. Yeah, not welcomed. Not yeah, welcomed. If, if he's if he's you know if he hasn't changed at all, he's not welcomed. And another thing that pisses me off, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit, just just because I just remembered it now. But Sweeney declined the interview for Hockey yeah. Night in Canada on the Saturday yeah. and made yeah. fucking Bergeron do it. Yeah, made do, yeah. like that f- yeah. gets underneath my fucking skin so yeah, bad. <laughs> like, why why does he have to answer for your fucking bullshit? 
Right. Like, why does Bergeron? I, I really don't believe Sweeney. I, that's why I really believe Sweeney was against it. And I don't know why Neely would be so adamant to do it. I know Jacobs doesn't give a rat ass. So it must be Neely that said, we need to get a guy. Maybe they're concerned about the, the talent level they have, trying to get Pasternak to resign or just worried about their prospect pool, don't have enough guys. Like, this is a guy that we take a risk on and we and we hit big on it. He's a big time player. I mean, he has tremendous point totals for, for a defenseman, but Jesus, he's an a-hole. Like at some point you have to draw the line. Yeah. Like at some point you have to draw the line and I'd rather watch Jacob Saboral than this ass clown. Yeah. I like, mean, I don't it, care what yeah. the hell. Yeah. I mean, it really did yeah. just get under my skin about him declining the interview and, and Bergeron having to do it. That just, yeah. that just flew right up my fucking my, tailpipe. My, I, I can't get over the, why would you ask the players? When you really probably don't ask players about any other middling little signing you make, why would you ask? You didn't ask the players about Mark McLaughlin or Georgie Merkulov. No. Why would you ask the players and they give you almost universally the answer of, not a great idea. Yeah. Why would you still do it? Like, what yeah. are you looking for in that, the answer? I know. That's that's really <laughs> why I don't really understand it all. They knew it was going to be controversial. That's why they asked them in the first place. That's why they asked and them. then they get the answer that's like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think and so. They do it anyway. And they why did it anyway. Them? Yeah. I mean, I just don't. I just. That's why man. I really have this. This is my conspiracy theory that Sweeney didn't want to do it, tried to get the players backing to, with him to say it's not a great idea mm-hmm. and then go to Neely and say, the guys in the locker room think this is a stupid idea. That That's why I really think he was building a case to not do it because I really don't think he liked this deal at all. And he was right if he didn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> all right, chirp five. Uh, some talk about the Bruins peaking too early. Is this fair or is this hogwash? Uh, that is hogwash. As uh, no, no such thing as peaking too early, unless you want to talk about, you know, you're going 19 and 0 in, in March, you know, leading into April and you've kind of, you know, overdone it or, you know, you're playing your guys huge minutes or whatever it is to kind of, you know, win all these games that, you know, the regular season matters, but it doesn't really matter, um, no, all that no, much. So, no. um, if you're, if you're going balls to the wall to win in March or something like that, then, yeah, I could say maybe you're peaking too early. You're playing McAvoy 30 minutes a night or Lindholm 30 minutes a night. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really uh, any such right. thing as peaking too early, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere where the, the Bruins had to go, like, three games above 500 to get to, like, 100 to get to the point total they had last year or something like ridiculous. Oh, really? like they'd have to play essentially 500 hockey or something to get to where they get the way they were or something last year. But um, I don't buy it. Look, president's cup. It hasn't been great, Mm-mm. you know, because in the hockey playoffs, anything can happen. It's right. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, it's the one professional sport where, eight different teams each year could probably win it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like that in any other sport, really. Maybe baseball comes closest, but other than that, it's really, that's what's great about the hockey playoffs. So I don't think that doesn't really matter. I think, I think it's, this team is really good and it's going to continue to win games. And I think that that's, I don't think you have to worry about any of that at all, because at the end of the day, you've got to play those matchups in the playoffs and you've got to win those series. And it's a real long grind. You got to win 16 games. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it has any bearing on how hot you were 
in friggin' November. I, I really no, don't. no. So. It, it, it's how hot your goalie is in in April, May, right. and June, though. <laughs> right. right, that matters yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's exactly true. Um, trip number six. AJ Greer steps up for Trent Frederick after a clean hit. Should teams respond to just good, clean, big hits? Uh, I would like it's an interesting question. It is so. Back in the day, I would say no. I would say. Absolutely not. You know, big hits happen. That that was the way of the world. You know, Scott Stevens would destroy people coming across the middle. That was just the way it was. Um, in these, in the new NHL, the way the game is played now, I still don't love it. But what I do like is teammates standing up for other teammates and um, kind of building a camaraderie and a kind of a team first attitude and an I have your back attitude. That I do like. So if it's going to happen from time to time, I would I would rather it happen uh, if someone takes a cheap shot at one of your star players. If someone mm-hmm. takes a shot at Pasenak or McAvoy or or Bergeron or Marchand um, mm-hmm. or Hall, you know, I want somebody to make that guy answer for it. Um, right. If someone takes a shot at Trent Frederick, Trent Frederick can take care of himself. Right. Um, yeah. I, I don't, but I don't mind Greer being on the ice and, and stepping in there. I, I, I didn't mind it at the time. I don't mind it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more fighting in the game myself anyways. Um, right. I think it keeps some people honest. I think there's a lot more stick work than there used to be. Um, right. I don't think it deters hits. I think the, the predatory guys are still going to be predatory guys because that's the way they play, and that's what got them into the NHL. Um, but I, I think, you know, it, it, will, it will still, you know, show your teammates that you're going to defend them if, if someone takes a run at somebody. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, um, I'm with you. I, I, last year there was talk about the team not really responding to certain you know, incidents on the ice and so forth. I don't think it was as big a deal as some people thought. Um, I do think you pick your spots in that. Uh, I think the team has been pretty close knit team for a while now, pretty really good, um, you know, just really good team atmosphere among the team. So I think they genuinely like each other. I think they did last year too. I think the big, one of the big differences you'll see though, between Cassidy and Montgomery is this very thing. I think Montgomery will be okay with, He's a little more free and easy with players making decisions. And this is a decision I, I see him being like, you know what? If we have to do that, we have to do it. Cassidy was really penalty adverse. Like he was really like, don't take an extra one. Don't retaliate. You know, let them get the penalty. And sometimes it, it did hurt them, a, you know, some, or it did look bad in that they didn't want to stick up for each other. But I think that was a director from the coach. I, I do. I really do. I don't think they have a ton of guys who, who, who have that in their nature. And I think they probably have a couple more guys now who are, but I think it was more a directive from the coach not to take an extra one. And I think Montgomery seems to be a little more loosey goosey that way. Like, okay, well, you know what? We'll take a penalty. We may, may even lose this game tonight, but we're going to send a message here or there. I see him being more of that type of guy as a coach. Um, Trip number seven, Charlie McAvoy potentially returning Thursday night against the Flames. Five months since surgery, led the stretch of practice. Mike Riley placed on waivers. Would you split up Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm? I would, actually, at the, at the, at the start anyway. 
Um, I think it's just really valuable to have two guys on the ice that are that dynamic. I think if they're both out there, then one of them has to kind of be more defensive-minded, and I don't necessarily want that, especially with the way that Lindholm's been playing early in the season. I think Mm -hmm. it unlocks both of them to kind of be free and and be offensive and carry the puck and jump up into plays. I think it suits them both really well. So um, to me, I think I'm probably going, you know, McAvoy, Grizzlick maybe, and and leaving Lindholm with Carlo. Um, so you have a little bit more of a defensive guy with Lindholm and then Grizzlick and McAvoy last year when they're together were really good. And then if you need to have, you know, the dynamic superstar pair like the Bruins did in 2011 with Char and Seidenberg together, they played separately most of the season and then they put them together in the playoffs and they were a dominant shutdown pair. I think that's what maybe what you do. You, you, you pick your spots with with reuniting them, um, but otherwise you you separate them and you get a little more dynamic play from, uh, you know, multiple deep pairs. Yeah, I don't mind it in the regular season to, to split them up. Um, I thought about this when Marshan came back too, like, do you think that there's a possibility, and I'm probably, I'm probably just looking for shit here, but you think there's a possibility of a little bit of a letdown when you get a star player in there and maybe uh, it, maybe not a letdown, but maybe it, you know, it's just sort of, I don't know, mixes into the chemistry a little bit and it's and he hasn't played in a while and you think there might be a little bit of a hiccup there or could be? I think what happens is usually like that first night, night one, everybody's amped to get him back. Right. So everybody's juiced up the first night. So the first night usually goes well. Like Marshan comes in, right. scores a couple goals. Like, you know, everybody was kind of juiced up. And then after that, I feel like, you know, everybody kind of relaxes a little bit and it's like, oh, I don't have to do as much now because Charlie's back right. or Marshan's right. back. So, right. so um, you know, there's a kind of, I think, a natural letdown after that first game where everybody kind right. of just takes a deep breath or exhales for, for a minute. And then, right. um, you know, everybody kind of is like, oh, I don't you know, I'm, I'm, the pressure's not on me as much as, a, as it was before to, to produce right. or what, so, so they relax a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, that hopefully would only last for a few games and then everybody kind of clicks back in and, and, and yeah. gets it figured out and, and they take off from there. But yeah, we'll you know, the other thing is like a guy like Clifton playing like 20 minutes a game, now, right. which is a lot for him. Now he drops down to 13, 14. Is that, you know, is he lose a little bit of rhythm there? Is that affect Possible. him? Like yeah. everything's sort of, you know, everybody takes a step backward and everybody kind of repositions themselves and maybe, Maybe Clifton, you know, is is good at playing like twenty minutes because he's into the game and he's just yeah. not sitting very long and he's and he's really into it. And maybe when he's taken out of that rhythm, so I, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe with maybe Carlo gets less time if he right. if he's not playing as well. You know, maybe Clifton keeps his minutes. You know, I you know I'd like it to be a merit based situation, and Clifton's been playing right. really well. So if Carlo wants to take the twenty minutes a night. Um, he's going to have to outplay Clifton. And right now he isn't. Um, And I'm shocked as hell that I'm saying that. But, um, you know, Clifton's been really good. And and this is another one of those things where I think the system has unlocked a lot of those guys and given them a lot more freedom to to make plays and, and do things on the ice that they didn't have before. Yeah, absolutely. And I and just to throw it out there, I, I am a big 
top pair guy. Like I'm a big, like I like to see Lynn home and McAvoy come playoff time, like 26 minutes a game. Oh like, yeah. Playing half the game, sure. like dominating half the game. Like I like that, but during the season, you know, I spread it out, see what you see, what you have. And, and of course there'll be a lot of moving parts and guys in and out and all that stuff during the season. But in the playoffs, I'm really looking forward to, Linholm McAvoy for 26 to 28 minutes a game, like just dominating games uh, and playing half the game for crying out loud. So I think Absolutely. that's important. And those teams that when they didn't have the top pair, when they didn't have someone, a partner for McAvoy who was viable and they played like St. Louis and, and they're out there with Pietrangelo and, and Perico and, mm-hmm. you know, they're out there with some really good, you know, really good top pair. I think that hurt the Bruins, you know, sure. playing against another team's top pair. Uh, all right, beauties and benders time. And uh, our three beauties for this week. Number three, Brad Marchand's surgeon. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. God, God bless Dr. Doolittle, Brad Marchand's surgeon, who did a wonderful job on his hips because I'm telling you, he he is darting and dashing and swiveling those hips all over God's creation. He hasn't lost a thing. No, no. He and I'll you know who else I'll throw in is the Bruins uh training staff and physical therapy people yes. uh yes. have done an excellent job getting him uh back early and ready to play. And and some credit to Brad too for uh for putting the work in, obviously. Oh sure. But yeah. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. who took over for Donnie Del Negro? Do you know? Is it, who's the new, I think it's uh, is it I don't know. Is it Scott Waugh? Is he the I he's one, somebody? I don't know what he does. I don't know if he's the yeah. physical therapist or the trainer or whatever. But okay. Uh, okay. yeah, there's this there's, there's some guys there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a really a great job by the uh, by that whole that whole team to get Marshan back early and ready. And and Grizzly came back early and ready. Sounds like McAvoy is going to be uh, knock on wood going to be back a little early and, and ready to go. And uh, it sounds like. Uh, Montgomery said Swayman might be a little bit ahead also. So it sounds like uh, the Bruins trainers are doing a a pretty good job. uh, And, you know, the surgeons and all those people are doing a pretty good job of, uh, of getting the guys ready to go. Yeah. Grizzlick and McAvoy and everybody Mm -hmm. coming back. Carlo came back after banging his head like pretty quickly. Yeah. Jesus. Um, All right. Beauty number two, Linus Allmark. Going to love you. eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Ollie has just been, Terrific, and now with Swayman out, he's taking a little bit more of a heavier load. I think you'll see Kincaid play. Uh, they were talking maybe the Canucks game uh, a little bit later on, but Ali's uh, been un- unbelievable. And now I think you really, you know, with Swayman hurt, not playing as much, maybe you do a little bridge deal and you keep him, you know, for another year or so. But you might have a decision to make here down the road. I think they will uh, have a decision, and and we'll see what happens when Swimman comes back and how, and how he plays. But uh, shouldn't Omar be like goaltender of the month for October or something? Oh is that goodness, a thing? Shouldn't he though? I mean, is it, that a thing? It would have to be right. I mean, if, yeah, you have, you have, uh, don't you have, we have, well, yeah, like three stars of the month or something of the month. Don't you have those three? Yeah. Three I stars. Three yeah. Stars they do have that. Don't they? Three stars. I, think, of the I month? think so. But uh, yeah. yeah, they should have a thing for a goaltender and he should, he should win it. Crying out loud. Because yeah, Lindholm was, I think Lindholm, wasn't he second star of the month? Yeah, to something somebody like that, else a couple, yeah. you know, last month. Yeah. Probably McDavid. Uh, Dry sidle. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. McDavid's been terrific. Uh, and then beauty number one, Bruins fans. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. 
Yeah, so I mean, you had this. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I feel like they, they, um, the way that they responded after the Mitchell Miller signing, with the pressure they put on the organization, um, and and the fact that they were against it uh, from the very beginning, uh, reminded me of when the Red Sox uh, had Will Cordero signed after he had. Uh, had a domestic violence thing and, and the fans were kind of up in arms and they got them to, to release Cordero. So um, it, it's just uh, pressure they put on the organization uh, makes me proud to be a Bruins fan. And, and uh, I thought they were uh, maybe not instrumental because I think it does go, like you said, to the sponsors and, and some of the season ticket holders, but the season ticket holders are fans. So um, I, I just, I just think, uh, you know, they really, the Bruins fans kind of stepped up and really handled it the right way. Yeah. And there's no doubt that the Bruins front office was shocked at, at just how much of a firestorm it was. I just, I just think that they thought we're, we're signing a guy with some history and it was a few years ago and, and he's going to Providence and it'll be under the radar. The Bruins fans are focused on the season and the, they have the best team in hockey and so forth. I just didn't, I just think they misread the whole thing. Uh, but, but kudos to the fans for really coming out. Lots of them, lots of them reached out to the Bruins to voice their displeasure. Uh, all right. Bender's time. And the number three bender, Kelly Sutherland. Ah, the bender. I'll tell you what. <laughs> he sucks. He's, he's the guy. He he's the guy who didn't call the Yachari trip. No. Nope. In the Stanley cup. And I'll tell you what, it just seemed like the of course, the Blues pissed me off. Yeah, and I've said this before. Just the way they play is the tug and grab and clutch, and they get away with it. Like, they just get away with it. And I just don't think they're super talented. And I think they get away with this this bogus style of play. And Baruby's always chirping and whining, telling, you know, whining and moaning and groaning. And the and the referees seem to listen to him. And Sutherland is like the worst of the bunch. I agree 100%. I think Kelly Sutherland sucks at his job. I think he's terrible. I think that I think that trip call cost the Bruins a, a championship. I honestly do. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, not to mention the the puck that in that series. I don't I don't think he was the referee during that game. But I'm gonna rail on referees here a second. The one that goes into the netting, they right. don't call it out of play. Comes back and the Blues bang it in for a goal yeah. that ends up yeah. winning that game for them. Uh, yeah. Just just that like that the whole thing should have an asterisk. To, to me, and and the rep and the refereeing certainly did not help the Bruins in that in that Cup final. No, and and thankfully the Bruins were able to get the two power plays that they got, the scoring them both, because it was a chore to get those power plays the other yeah. night from Sutherland. Sure, it really was. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Bender number two, Craig Berube. Ah, the Bender. This jerk. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what a jag off. This guy. This. I mean, first of all. This guy is not the second coming of Scotty Bowman for any stretch of the imagination. They've lost eight in a row now. They are they are another month away from going tail spinning down the down the stream and uh, and starting to to, to to sell some guys off and so forth. They're in a real bind right now. I don't think. I don't know. This isn't 2019. I don't think they miraculously come back from last place in January again. I think this one sticks this time. I think this team is going nowhere fast. I hope that's all 100% true. I really do. I really do. I I hope it's 100% true. Uh, I hope they continue to lose uh, all of the games. And then don't get the the lottery pick. Don't get the top pick. I hope they lose all the games and then pick like eighth. 
Fuck you. Yeah. You you look at the West. I mean, you've got <laughs> Jesus, Vegas and Edmonton and Calgary and Minnesota. And I mean, there's there's a lot of teams in there. Minnesota's struggling good. too out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah, they are struggling. Yeah. But this I mean, Baruby just I mean, he just blows. And he's a typical, you know, shelf life coach where yeah. he struck gold in the beginning there. And now it's catching up to him. That team just stinks. Uh, and then the Benders, number one for this week, the Bruins front office. Out of Bender. Oh, boy. I mean, this was just a colossal screw-up of uh, just uh, epic. It's just epic levels. I can't – I just – I still can't wrap my head around exactly how this happened. I think it's just – I think it just boils down to a major miscalculation of what, of what was going to happen – in the signing. I just didn't think they took it as seriously as they should have. No. And it bit them in the ass. Yeah, 100%. They did not take it as seriously sh- as they should have. They didn't anticipate uh, the blowback that they would receive from it. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm still shocked that they did it in the first place. I'm, yeah. I still am. I'm legitimately shocked. They, there was really no need for it at all. No, no, and, there isn't. No, you know, especially I mean, I, after no. after a team like Arizona renounces yeah. his rights at the draft, like yeah. Arizona, Arizona and you was playing in front of forty eight hundred people. Yeah, so they wouldn't they so, wouldn't sign the guy. So I, I just I don't know. There there really was no reason for it, and and I it still just blows my mind that they went through with it in the first place. And again, this is not a team that really takes that kind of risk. Like they just don't they don't really do that kind of thing uh in the past. I mean they they've given up. They've passed on guys who had you know they passed on Evander Kane in some way. I mean they didn't even look at that. I mean they they've they've passed on guys who have any type of checkered past. They've always been really cognizant, especially with Chara and Berger on here mm-hmm. of culture and guys fitting in and and just to man most guys over the years i can't think of many who haven't fit in i mean they've been pretty good at that and then this time they just go completely off the board on us yeah and just don't and just don't follow that trend and they ask the players and the players say are you shitting me and then they still do it <laughs> like it's unreal it really do. is it really it is it, it, it really is they still do it uh, We'll see who gets fired because Neely made it sound like there was going to be some discipline. Roll. Yeah. But if, I mean, you know. if it's him, he's going to fire right. a scout. He's going to fire a scout. He's going to fire not, a scout. He's not going to fire yeah. himself. Yeah. He's going to clean house in the scout department. Yeah. Um, all right. Bruins Benders power rankings for this week. And number seven, coming in at number seven, dropping two spots. The Carolina Hurricanes, they're just three and two at home. Usually a very good home team, tough to play at home. Five one and one on the road, but they dropped two spots. In number six, a surprising team, the Winnipeg Jets, come in. They're eight three and one. Wow, the Jets, and uh, so they they enter. Not as surprising though is number five, the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> enter. They've won five in a row. Good for Seattle them. Kraken half. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Uh, is Ryan Donato still on that team? I, <laughs> See, I think uh, I mean, he might be. Is he? Yeah, he might be. Uh, oh, you know who's on that team? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Uh, Carson Coleman. Carson, Carson Coleman. Yeah, yeah, I he's think on he's on that team. Sure. Um, obviously, he's the answer. And then <laughs> number four, the new the New York Islanders jump in, brand new, seven and three in their last ten. Mm-hmm. So they're rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number three, brand new team as well. The New Jersey Devils have won seven in a row. That's a good young team with good young talent. It is. 
I mean, it, it really is. I mean, the Bruins played them early on, and they didn't look very good, but they've really started to put it together, and they're, mm-hmm. they've got some young young pieces there. Uh, and number two, Boston Bruins drop a spot. They're 11-2 and two overall, and then the uh, number one spot, moving up one spot, the Vegas Golden Knights with Bruce Cassidy, 12-2. and two. They've won eight in a row. Playing really well. Vegas. Oh my God! I mean, they are playing well. Playing and I'll really tell you what, Cassidy gets results. Dude. He does. I mean, he's headed for his seventh straight playoff season. Like he, he gets results. I mean, his teams win. They do. They, they, uh, win. they went into Toronto and and uh, beat beat the Leafs. Uh, Riley Smith with the tying goal in the third, and then the winner in uh, in OT. Yeah. So yeah, they 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 have some talent. They have things going. Eichel's playing well. They have a good defense, you know. They're getting, they have young goaltending, I believe, but they're getting some goaltending, and and that that'll that'll really be the difference for them, whether or not that sure. uh, the the goaltending can be sustained. But uh, yeah, yeah, playing real real well right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm waiting for the waiting for the night where Cassie says, you know, need to save it. Oh, it'll come, it'll come for sure. It. Yeah, yeah, very nice. So now we're going to go with the Bruins Benders Power Less rankings. And coming in at number 30, the Columbus Blue Jackets have lost five in a row and have a minus 25 goal differential. Oh, they are not good. They are not, they are good. not good. And uh, you think Johnny Hockey's regretting signing oh, with Columbus? Man, I'll tell you, they don't, there's not much there after line A and him. There's just not much there. Yeah. It's just not a very good team. It and isn't. They, I just don't see them. I mean, they are not very good. And, you know, maybe they get down into that. Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I don't know, maybe, but man, I I don't know. He that was a weird signing by him. It was a weird sort of, you know, swerve on his part. And now, it, I don't know if he's regretting that. You know, maybe not. But you know, it's hard to regret all that money. <laughs> but man, I mean, they're, they're not very good. No, they aren't. They aren't at all. Uh, mm. And coming in at number thirty-one, moving up one spot. <laughs> yes, just. For this week. Just for this week. <laughs> yes. The Montreal Canadiens, 6-6-1, six, six and one, move yeah. up to 31. Yeah. Uh, and then at number 32, your Boston Bruins. <laughs> right. Because signing Mitchell Miller, fucking seriously. <laughs> I mean, seriously. fucking seriously. Yeah. This is the first time in the history of the Bruins Benders power rankings that a team is in the power rankings and also in the power less rankings. Yeah. Yes. Two and 32. We'll put the on ice team uh, on the power rankings and we'll put yes. the uh, management on the power less rankings. Cause oh that, it, that is terrible. Uh, the Bruins will uh, get out of the basement next week, uh, but they 100% deserve to be there this week because that was an absolute travesty and uh, something that should not have happened. No, absolutely not. And it's it's the gift that keeps on giving because like you said, he still signs. They'll probably have to buy it out at the end of the year, take a cap hit for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you know, not not big money, but like you said, it could be enough in a flat cap era when you're up against it as it is. Holy smokes, it's just not not good. Not good at all. Um, all right, Bruins Benders poll time. We had a poll this week. Do you agree with the Bruins decision to rescind? their contract to Mitchell Miller and yes, Kim's in at 89% and no at 11%, 115 votes. And like you said, Bruins fans hats off to you for being okay with it. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they. I mean, they should have. They should have never done it in the first place. But the fact that they rescinded it uh, in a short amount of time uh, is good. Um, like I said, shouldn't have happened to begin with. But but nice that they uh, rescinded it. But we'll see if they can get out from the money of it because that's uh, really the more important part of it at this point in time. You know, I went, maybe an honorable mention for Bender. Let me let me give this to, to Gary Bettman because I saw people out there saying, "Boy, you know, win for Bettman by saying that the Bruins didn't contact him, and you know, he's not even sure if Mitchell Miller will ever play in the NHL." What an opportunity this bastard had to just seize the moment and look like the good guy and say, "Oh yeah, I I don't think I'm ever going to." You know, he just read the room. Yeah. Good for him. Sure. He read the room and said, okay, this is an opportunity for me to get some good pub, you know, some good pop, as I say, in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't miss. I mean, he, he saw that opportunity. I, you know, Gary, you weren't, you haven't been thinking about Mitchell Miller for about six years, dude. Like you have, you had until this happened, you had no bearing on it. Don Sweeney did reach out to Bill Daly. And say that this is what we might be doing and so forth. So there was a, a mention to the commissioner's office. You may not talk to Bill on a daily basis, which I'm not surprised. Yeah. But you saw an opportunity. And that's kind of a dick move. Like, that's kind of a pile on, like, I'm going to take the high road and say I wasn't going to reinstate him anyway. And I can't believe they did this. It's... I. I on the surface, people might think, oh, wow, that's really good at Batman. Nah, I think that that was a complete little, you know, just a sly little move by the bug. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I I don't know why he would have been uh, thinking about that. The guy was signing an, L, an AHL contract. He wasn't even signing an NHL contract. So uh, how, how that affects the NHL at all, I, I don't really know. They ratified the contract, so why would you ratify a contract if the guy's not going to be able to play in the league ever? That doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, So uh, I think he was just, you know, that was, like you said, it was a PR grab and, uh, and he, and he did it well. So I guess kudos to him, but it, it is a little, you know, sly move and he's still going to get booed whenever he appears in person. So don't feel like he, uh, he got his way out of that. Right. Yeah. And I agree. Um, real quick before we, uh, we move on to the week ahead, we did have, we did have a tweet tweeted at us just now, a few minutes ago from Brian, who says, is Jacobs Borrell a bust zero point sixteen minutes per game or some leeway because of injury recovery? Um, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season, I would have said that, um, he, deserves some time for the injury recovery. And I still think that, but man, he was really good early on and then he kind of tailed. So I don't know why that happened exactly, but he seems completely lost now, completely lost. Um, So I don't know if that was, you know, he was playing really well and then he lost a little confidence and then can't get it back because he's not playing enough or, or right. you know, he's in and out of the lineup. So there's some circumstances there. Um, I'm not ready to give up on him, but uh, I do think that he needs to um, play much better if he wants to sure. uh, see any time in the lineup. And I'm not sure he's going to get time because when Forber comes back, um, right. I'm not sure there's a spot for him, uh, no, cause Clifton's been playing, playing yeah. really well too. So, um, yeah. I think he's probably going to be, um, 
this, you know, the seventh defenseman going forward here, uh, mm-hmm. unless they have an injury and, and hopefully they don't, you know, with Zaboral, it, it might, it might've been a little bit of smoke and mirrors early on because it was the preseason and you saw some AHL talent out there, not a, not a ton of NHL talent. So that might've been some of it. He was the best player out there because he's a NHL player playing with, a lot of AHL guys and so forth. And I think there was some confidence there. And then he took that hit. Remember that in preseason? He took that wicked hit. And it almost seemed like from then, it was almost like a a moment where things changed a little. And I don't know if that was it, if it was coincidental, but he took a heavy hit. And I don't know if that stunned him a little bit, if that changed how he was playing, but you're right. He seems a little lost. Right now, they've, they've waved Riley. They have Strawman, who hasn't looked good. No. And they have, you know, Forbort out for a while now, probably going to long-term IR, right? You know, if they, if, if Riley is not um, claimed, they'll need a little bit of room for him. So, like you said, the ball is around, but to – you know, can you afford to lose Riley now? Because if, can you trust Zaboral? I mean, that, that's a, you might get thin on defense in a hurry if you have to move on from a Riley or, you know, Strauman doesn't work out. Now you're like, okay, well now, now where do we go? Yeah. I mean, I think they, I think ideally they'd like Riley just to go down to Providence and, and be down there and play down there. And, and maybe they'd, you know, they'll have to find the money, um, to put McAvoy onto the active roster some other way. Like you said, maybe Forbert goes to long-term IR or whatever it is. But I don't think they necessarily want to want to move Riley at this point um, until either one of Strawman or Zaboral start to play better because neither one of them has been great. Um, right. Strawman might be cashed. I mean, he just he might, might be. be cashed. But, uh, yeah. you know, I thought it was a good signing, a good depth signing. He is a veteran um, yeah. you know, it could be the same type of thing. He needs more minutes to kind of get acclimated and so forth. He came in yeah. towards the end of the preseason. So, um, you know, that might be a, a consideration, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, those guys will probably be the seventh eighth guys. And, and then hopefully, you know, Riley goes through, passes through waivers and you, you have him around uh, in case of emergency. Yeah. And Strauman played 21 minutes a game with Arizona. So he, he played did. quite a bit. So now it's in and out of the lineup, maybe some rhythm things. I mean, maybe yeah. same with Saboral. You know, it is tough to come in and out of the lineup. So yeah. uh, that could be it too. All right. Week ahead for the Bruins, November 10th versus Calgary should have, could have Charlie McAvoy back for that one. Uh, November 12th at Buffalo. Buffalo has been, uh, you know, decent this year so far. And then November 13th versus the struggling Vancouver Canucks. We've had some turmoil and some bad hockey early on. Sanika uh, scored the other night. Yeah, I was just about to say he friggin' <laughs> scored a goal. His second in 42 games. He, he, he scored and he played actually 10 minutes and 50 seconds, which is a ton for him. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he scored. Did you and, see the goal? Uh, no. Somebody basically turned it over right to him in the low in the low <laughs> left hand circle, <laughs> and he shot. And the goalie still got a piece of it, but it broke through, and and he oh, and he scored. So uh, yeah, geez. basically wow. somebody passed him the puck from the other team, passed him the puck in the low left hand circle, and he and he shot and scored. So yeah, well, it wasn't yeah, like any strategy. any yeah. kind of great passing play or no. you know a great setup from a teammate. The other team gave him the puck, and he scored. Yeah. 
Well, hey, Bruins fans have been saying all he needed was a chance. So just give him the puck and he'll be fine. Right yeah, if the other that. team could pass him the puck in front of the net, he'd score 40. Be yeah, awesome. Be, he's sensational. So now, you know, hopefully he doesn't score again because we'll have to hear about that. I know. Um, all right. Go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Download the Inside the Rink app. We're on TikTok at Bruins Benders Podcast. And now you can listen to the Bruins Benders Podcast on all platforms, including Amazon Music. Please rate and review on Apple and subscribe and follow on any of the podcast platforms. And hey, sign up for ESPN plus at inside the rink.com forward slash ESPN. And that'll do it for this edition of the Bruins Benders podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. Have a great week, everyone and go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.